3: KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. From KYW News Radio 1039 FM, this is Bridging Philly, connecting our communities on the issues that matter to you. Presented by Gift of Life Donor Program, Organ Donors Save Lives.
4: Hello, I'm Raquel Williams. Welcome to Bridging Philly. The kids are heading back to school and it is an exciting time, but there is a staff shortage in schools in Philadelphia. Lots of teachers have been hired, but how will the remaining vacancies affect the teachers that are there?
2: It is very hard to fill the vacancies. Philadelphia is not the only school district looking for educators.
4: And as the recruitment efforts continue in Philadelphia, there is one teacher in Camden who says more teachers of color are needed.
5: Nationally, roughly, teachers of color make up, uh, about 20 percent of all teachers throughout the entire country
4: and in for aunt lee shower day howard has our philly rising change maker it's all coming up on bridging philly hello and welcome to bridging philly kids are heading back to school and the usual anxieties for both teachers and students exist but the ongoing issue of staff shortages continues to be an issue and there perhaps is no quick fix to this. Joining me today to talk about this is Jerry Jordan. He is president of the Philadelphia Federation of Teachers. Welcome to Bridging Philly.
2: Thank you very much.
4: Well, during the last school year, we did witness a surge in teacher resignations. Let's talk a lot about that for a little bit. What do you think that was attributed to?
2: It's a combination of things that, uh, depending upon the uh, work location, the school, what uh, Whether or not teachers felt that they were getting the kind of support that they needed in order to do the job, whether or not they had the materials that they needed to do the job. Teachers are spending uh, literally hundreds of dollars out of their pockets every year in order to buy supplies for their classrooms, for their things for their children. And the job market right now is one that um, people are able to find other jobs. And uh, so therefore, you know, many of the teachers have indicated that I've talked to who have left that they didn't feel that they were being respected as professionals. And I think that the pandemic uh, has changed many of us uh, and that we look at the way that we're living differently. And we realize that uh, we want to really be able to enjoy every day. And when you work and put in the number of hours that a teacher puts in the school as well as at home, and they just don't feel fulfilled, they don't feel respected, then they look for other opportunities. And I think that that is one of the main reasons that a number of people uh, left the profession, not just in this school district, but in districts across the country.
4: Is it hard to fill these vacancies?
2: Yes, it is. It is very hard to fill the vacancies because Philadelphia is not the only school district looking for educators. We are surrounded by several school districts. I know that over 60 surrounding districts we are competing with. And our members or the educators uh, live in various parts of the city. So if you live in the Northeast Philadelphia It's very easy to uh, take a job in Bucks County in one of the school districts. If you live in East Oak Lane, West Oak Lane, uh, it's easy to just go over to Montgomery County to one of the school districts. So we're competing with them. And many of those districts provide better pay for educators and the supplies that teachers need in their classrooms. Those are there for them and uh, there are other kinds of support. So we're competing as a district for a few people who are in the uh, teaching profession. Universities are not graduating the number of educators that they did even a decade ago. And I think that one of the reasons why a lot of people are not choosing to go into the profession is uh, if we think back to 2001, the federal government passed a law called No Child Left Behind. And what it did is that it put in place a system they said it would be for accountability. However, what it did is that it made the job very, very difficult for educators doing all jobs in a school. And that it became very punitive. The law was written that way. So that if a school did not reach a certain target in the accountability system, that uh, there were sanctions and that there was punishment, literally. And the law allowed schools to be closed or schools to be converted into charter schools. So here in Philadelphia and across the nation, many of our schools in our most needy economic Uh, low economic areas, those schools were closed. And all of the staff, they were told, closed, you're out of here, and you had to find another job somewhere else. And they were converted to charter schools.
4: Wow, this is a a very complicated issue, uh, and it affects the students, it affects teachers, and it affects the community. Um, Yes, it does. And that's very unfortunate. You know, one of the the things I wanted to ask you about, and I think this is really sad to hear, that there's competition even here within the state, that, you know, uh, teachers are going to outside to Bucks County or other areas to teach because they're getting paid more. What is it going to take to increase the pay for teachers in a major city like Philadelphia?
2: It's going to take funding from uh, Harrisburg. And there is a funding lawsuit that was just heard in Commonwealth court. Um, I think the case went to the judge for her decision uh, a few weeks ago. It is a lawsuit that was filed by uh, several districts in the uh, Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, you know, saying that these school districts are underfunded and therefore uh, our children uh, who attend those schools um, are not given the same opportunity to be educated the way that children in school districts around the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania are able to fund their uh, students. I mean, the students in Lower Marion School District Uh, their funding is about twice as much as what we uh, are giving our children here in Philadelphia. I mean, that makes a big difference in the kind of course uh, offerings that you can give to children. It uh, makes a difference in being able to afford to have lower class sizes for children. It makes a difference in what you're going to be able to pay educators uh, to do the, to work in that district, uh, but most importantly, it's the children who are being deprived right. year after year that they are in an underfunded system. So the case is in Commonwealth Court, and we're okay. hoping that the judge rules in favor of the plaintiffs.
4: I know that the uh, AFT this year came out with a report that addressed this very issue of the teacher shortages maybe you can tell us what it will take going forward to retain and recruit talented teachers in Philadelphia.
2: Well, I don't think anyone has the magic bullet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have the opportunity to serve on that AFT task force. And uh, the one thing that uh, we know is very, very clear and we've heard it from members across the country is that, uh, you know, and I think we've talked about a bit of it uh, that uh, the profession has to be one that is treated with the proper respect, the respect that everyone deserves. And um, because, you know, people are not going to stay if they don't feel that they're respected, if they don't feel that their work is valued. Mm -hmm. And uh, teachers want to have a say about their profession and their job, what happens in their schools. They want to be a part of uh, designing how the school is going to operate. And you know, uh, as opposed to having uh, mandates dictated to them and uh, feeling that they're going to be punished if they uh, do not meet a certain mark. And um, they want to uh, be supported.
4: And they should be. And they should be supported. Absolutely. You know, there was a time when there was a little bit more respect uh, and support for teachers. I I can remember that. And I do have to say that, you know, hats off to all teachers. Um, They are definitely cut from a different cloth. They're not necessarily in this for the money. They are truly by and large invested in molding the minds of the future. Um, So hats off to the teachers and, uh, Hopefully a successful school year in Philadelphia and uh, hopefully more funding, of course, too. My guest has been Jerry Jordan, president of the Philadelphia Federation of Teachers. Jerry, thank you so much for joining us on Bridging Philly.
2: Thank you. It's been my pleasure.
0: This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe.
4: And as we continue our discussion about the issues our region is facing as kids head back to school, teacher recruitment and retention in the wake of the shortage is one of them. I'm here at Camden Academy's Charter High School in Camden, New Jersey, where Randall Miller is an educator. He wrote an interesting op-ed piece in The Inquirer about black teacher recruitment and how kids thrive in environments where they see themselves. Thanks for taking time out of your schedule to be on Bridging Philly today.
5: Thank you so much. A pleasure to be talking to you today.
4: All right, Randall, if we can, let's first get some statistics and numbers out of the way. What's the percentage of teachers of color in the Commonwealth and Philly, if we can zoom in on that?
5: So to my knowledge, uh, now start nationally, nationally, roughly teachers of color make up uh, about 20 percent of all teachers throughout the entire country. Uh, In the state of Pennsylvania, I know that teachers of color are below 10 percent. Black male teachers in particular are below 2 percent. And in Philadelphia, those numbers are similar, if not worse. So um, the the issue is just trying to increase those numbers. And the hope is with the teacher shortage that we are finding in the state that there is a concerted effort to bring those numbers up all around the state, whether they are in Philadelphia or in the suburbs.
4: All right. So let's talk a little bit about why the numbers are as low as they are. What do you think you can
5: attribute that to? So um, historically, I always go back to one of the uh, court cases that are seminal in this country, Brown versus the Board of Education and prior to brown there were a number of schools that were black schools black ran by uh, principals as well as teachers and once that decision came out you see a exodus of black teachers not on their own but because schools are being integrated and so in the south particularly a number of black teachers lost their jobs as well as administrators and as black students were assimilated into white schools Those black teachers didn't get those same jobs. And so that just continued. And it was something that happened throughout the country where, as black teachers were attempting to get work, they weren't allowed to get work, whether uh, by default or also by intention.
4: What is it that we can do or what suggestions do you have um, in terms of the best way to go about recruiting uh, more uh, teachers of color?
5: One of the things that we can do is reach out to paraprofessionals. Most paraprofessionals, those are your teaching assistants, they are black and also Latino. And so if schools were to invest in those individuals and bring them in the classroom as teachers, many of them do wonderful work, great work, support the teachers that are there. That's one avenue that you can go in. Another avenue, um, of course, I may mention in my op-ed about the HBCUs and reaching out to those black schools of education, but also going to HBCUs as well as uh, other institutions, but finding those black black students who may not have majored in teaching but majored in other things. I'm thinking uh, engineering. I'm thinking medicine. I'm thinking uh, in anything that may not necessarily seem like a teacher. Those are your science teachers, your math teachers, and things of that nature. So, we need to reach out to those individuals as well that may not get those jobs in their field, but they would be wonderful in the classroom. Uh, another place that, that we ought to go is look at the students that we have. There are very, um, I won't say very few, but there aren't as many programs geared towards young people becoming teachers in high school uh, to sort of track them into college to become a teacher when they graduate. So if we had more of those programs also, that would be uh, a key. And there, there are some of those that are happening. We have some here, a uh, program at Rowan University that does that as well. Uh, but we need more of that in some of the high schools.
4: Yeah, you know, I I, I was, you know, in talking with the uh, head of the Philadelphia Federation of Teachers. When I was speaking with him, we were talking about the fact that um, teachers want respect and um, teachers want support. And, you know, how do you go about attracting uh, that kind of talent to teach in like an inner city area, in the Philadelphia, in a Camden, when, you know, uh, there's, there are areas that pay more outside of the the, the cities and the inner cities and things of that nature. How is it that we can attract them to, to really come here to come to these areas and and teach and give back. Like you said, and I know teachers are cut from a different cloth. Honestly, they're not in it they're not in it for the money for those who want to teach as I said before they they do want to mold the minds of the future. How do you attract them?
5: Well, I think that school districts have to do a better job of really showing that they want them. Don't get me wrong, paying teachers is great. Paying people is wonderful, giving your appreciation financially, yes. But I think that there are other things that districts can do to encourage or make – their schools really feel like a family and home for black educators. One thing that I would tell black educators is it's it's great to work in an urban district with with your people. I think that that's awesome teaching black and brown children. But also, uh, there's a greater likelihood of there being additional black educators coming and working in this environment where you can build a camaraderie, where you can work together and, and struggle together. Uh, also, I think that some school districts are making a concerted effort to sort of create spaces for black educators to get together, to speak together, work together. There is a uh, a recognition of what I talk about in as, as the uh, invisible tax, this tax of being a black educator and having to explain things to white educators, having to tell black students to code switch, having to really be that individual to discipline black children. There is an understanding from Uh, Some district leaders that this is something that they need to relent on and allow black educators to be not only supported, but also to be felt as though they are content experts in what it is that they teach, which they are. So I think that there is some uh, mild improvement, but we do still have a long way to go.
4: Give me some key reasons and and points as to why it's important for kids in school to see people that look like them teach them and be mentors to them.
5: Yeah, that's a great question. It's important because, you know, children need to see something that is attainable. They need to know that this is not something that's far-fetched for them. And to be a black child. Uh, I can tell you, you know, I had a black teacher when I was in kindergarten, Uh, a black woman. Her name was Miss Wilson, and that was the last black teacher I had until I got to college. Now, granted, I went to Catholic school, but that was the last teacher I had college. And I finally got uh, another black educator when I got there. Now, thankfully for me, living in my household with my parents, you know, being immersed in community with black folks, I could I could see the potential for what I could be. But every black child doesn't necessarily have that for various reasons. And so to have a black teacher, if you're a black boy, to have a black male teacher, if you're a black girl, to have a black woman teacher in front of you, that speaks volumes that you can be a professional, that you can actually impact lives, that you can be something transformative for yourself, for your family, for your community.
4: To recruit black teachers, uh, teachers of color uh, in you know Philadelphia and Camden and the like, uh, do you see- See any kind of pushback or people going, you know, why? Why do you have to find black teachers to teach these kids? Teachers are teachers; it doesn't make a difference. What would you say to that?
5: Uh, I'd say that they're wrong, <laughs> and I would say that just, you know, engage in some of the intellectual work to explore some of these topics. Uh, there was a study that came out, I believe, in twenty sixteen from NYU that talked about how. Uh, All students prefer black teachers compared to white teachers, whether they were black, whether they were Asian, whether they were white, Latino. So that's just one example of why it's important to bring black teachers along. And there's going to be feedback. I mean, there's going to be pushback, excuse me, feedback and pushback. We see what's going on in Minnesota where their teachers union has agreed to fire or lay off uh, white teachers first that do not have the higher sort of seniority as black teachers. And that is getting a lot of pushback as we speak. But it's important because the data shows that black teachers matter. Not just for the students who prefer to have them, but for the black children who achieve because of them.
4: Finally, what would you tell people who are maybe listening and thinking, you know, I was always thinking about perhaps going into teaching. I, I, they might be hearing the call and feeling the pull. What would you tell them to kind of push them over the edge to go ahead and, and, and get involved and be a teacher?
5: <sighs> I would say that um, ask yourself the question, not just, you know, is it something you can do, but do you have a love for children? And if you have a love for young people, um, I think that that is a great indicator for getting into the profession.
4: We've been talking with Randall Miller, an educator at Camden Academy Charter High School in Camden, New Jersey. Thank you so much for your time and thanks for being on Bridging Philly.
5: Thank you.
3: The Philly Rising Change Maker of the Week, presented by Deborah Advanced Behavioral Health. I'm Sharada Howard with this week's Philly Rising Change Maker. This community leader is setting a new precedent in the black and brown communities, teaching the art of alternative healing by reintroducing struggling communities like hers hit hard by the rise in gun violence. How to once again embrace their history through agriculture and connection. That's the mission of Erica Johnson, our Philly Rising Change Maker of the Week. Our
1: hands are in the earth.
3: Philly has a thriving agriculture scene and Erica Johnson, owner of Collective Artistry in Germantown, says she comes from a long line of women with green thumbs.
1: I'm a plants woman, all taught by my mother and her mother.
3: And she's been working with plants as a way of healing long before it was trending. And now she's working to reintroduce people of color to what she says is a cultural art form, finding healing for the individual as well as the community by spiritually reconnecting with the earth through gardening, crystals, and self-awareness.
1: You have to be able to know where you come from. Even if you don't know your direct heritage or tribe, our people, till the land.
3: So when the COVID-19 pandemic hit, Johnson pivoted, taking her hobby of gardening to the next level by opening her own business.
1: I don't have a practicing religion. This business is an extension of my
3: spirituality, what I've learned from my mother and her mother. And she says that's what the community is missing. And it's evident in the increasing gun violence in struggling communities. So through collective artistry, she's hoping to find a solution to what she says has been a growing problem in her community. What I didn't know is that I knew how to teach what
1: I've been doing for years to get on the path of healing through crystals, plants, to develop their own artistic craftsmanship. It's very important for our people to see each other helping one another. See, life is not about getting through it you have to maneuver your way around life and it's not just for our culture black brown you know all people need
3: help on that journey and she says collective artistry is not just a place for learning it's a place of refuge the shop offers a safe space to anyone
1: who needs a mental break who needs a moment to stop and to take a breath and be safe and to think a moment a lot of times Since COVID, everybody's been going back and forth, trying to feed their family, trying to find work. And you're afraid. When you come here, the first thing you do, you take a deep breath and you say, well, wait a
3: minute, where am I? So by connecting people to the earth, she's hoping to connect them back to themselves. You know, collective artistry is an experience.
1: When you come in, all your senses are activated. So everything is going to hit you at once to where it's going to make you stop to pay attention to your feelings and to yourself. You know, once you step in, every outside uh, noise, I guess if you will, it'll stop because it'll cause you to focus on what's going on because yeah, you see the plants and you see the crystals, but you're also going to see color. You're also going to see words of affirmation. You're going to feel the warmth and you may hear music. I'm always playing music. I play music that beats your muscles, that beat your, you know, it's not crazy, but it's soothing, it's rhythmic,
3: you know, so you're comfortable and safe. So she says she's answering a call from her ancestors to give more than she takes. I am here to be of assistance to my community. Collective artistry is located along the newly renovated historic Maplewood mall in Germantown.
4: Thanks for joining us for bridging Philly brought to you by gift of life donor program, organ donors, save lives. Be sure to connect with us on Twitter at bridging Philly and with me at Raquel on air. And of course, please subscribe to the podcast for Antoinette Lee shower Day Howard, and producer Arian Fulcher. I'm Raquel Williams. Be well.